Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And in today's episode, I'm talking with Kate J, who's a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, an AIP certified coach practitioner, and a trained chef. She's passionate about helping people reach their health goals by using nutrient-dense whole foods as medicine. Plus, she's originally from the UK as well, so we have a lot in common. And this week's episode of the Life After Sugar podcast is brought to you by the After Sugar Club, where you'll get all the resources you need to help you make those small but powerful mindset shifts and get guidance step-by-step on your personal path to feeling free from sugar so that you can get to a place where you don't even want it, need it or miss sugar anymore. You'll be part of a friendly, encouraging community of health-conscious people just like you. Most of us are also intermittent fasters, but not all of us. There's a place for everyone. Join us at aftersugarclub.com. All right, here's my chat with Kate. So I'm talking today with Kate Jay, who is another Brit out in Vancouver, right? In Canada. Yes, correct. Two Brits living in Canada. What is it about Canada that attracts us Brits? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so um, Kate, you are um, an, an expert or a coach, right? For autoimmune diseases. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Can you tell me how you got into that world and your own story? I can. So, I mean, I've been in this world since 2014. Um, so it starts, I mean, I don't know how far you want me to go back, actually. That as my far story. as you want. Oh, really? Okay. So, well, I mean, talking about how I'm doing what I'm doing, my brother died in, well, actually, when was it? 13 years ago. So, yeah, 13 years ago, 2008. And, you know, he died of cancer and it was very, very quick. And the feeling of powerlessness when he was going through, you know, he died within five weeks of of being diagnosed. And it was the most awful thing. And that feeling of being completely powerless um, was terrible, I remember. Um, but also, you know, obviously he was suffering and sorry to start this off with such sort of dire news and everything. Yeah, but that's <laughs> how it was. Yeah. But, you know, it's really true when they say that it's worse for the people who are left behind, because what you're left with is this sort of unimaginable stress that you go through during the process and then afterwards as well. And it was that stress that triggered my um my condition basically and so you know beforehand I I had as trying to sort of weave in the sugar thing really I wasn't brought up on on much sugar I have to say you know candy and and stuff like that at the weekends my mother was a cookery teacher 
And so we always had home prepared meals, every single meal. She was amazing, actually, you know, very rarely. It was a real treat, actually, to have a processed meal or a takeaway or something like that. She, she really, you know, looked after as well. But it was when I, um, I guess when I moved away from home at the age of 20, nearly 21, and then, you know, I was fending for myself and I, I ended up living in um in jersey one of the channel islands just oh my uncle lives there oh Oh, really oh fantastic i loved it there so much um but jersey is a tax haven and so everything is super cheap and everything what what happens is you're sort of flung into this environment with a whole load of other people i was working for a bank at the time we were all working for a bank we put up put up in hostels and so we had this ready-made um, you know, group of friends when we arrived from all sorts of all different areas of England, and um, it was just non-stop party. And our everything revolved around alcohol and eating out because it was so cheap because there's no tax. And I think that's probably when the sugar came into my life, actually, because mm-hmm. of course you know there's a lot of sugar in alcohol. Um, and so by the end of that, after four years, I left. You know, I'm not saying I was an alcoholic because I wasn't, but it was just part of my life. And then, um, you know, fending for myself, anything for a quick meal, quick fix, quick snack. I could quite happily, I'm the sort of person, I could buy a packet of biscuits, have it in my home, have it in front of me, sitting on the desk next to me. If If it's packaged up and unopened, I could have it there for months and months or whatever. But as soon as that packet is open, the whole lot will be gone within a very short space of time. Yeah. I'm that sort of person. It's all or nothing. Yeah. And so I think I think that was it, really. Then you get this sort of taste for sugar and on and on it goes. But sort of weaving that into my brother, you know, sugar is very stressful on the body, as, as you know, and I'm sure you're, you, you know, that's what you're discussing with people. But sort of stress is obviously putting a lot on your body as well. So put the two together and you have this, uh, you end up with this inability to manage your your stress basically. And so that is when, um, that was the trigger for my autoimmune issues. And so when, um, I'd always had thigh, no, not always, I've had thyroid problems since, you know, 20 something years ago. But at that time, I was told by my doctor, oh, there's nothing you could do about it. You're, you know, my mother was hypothyroid as well. She took, a, she took a pill to manage her symptoms. I took a pill, never questioned it. But then um, I had this uh, pain in all my joints, literally as I was leaving the hospice from where my, my brother was, where he died. Um, and just sort of sitting around and dealing with that stress for all that time, I could barely move by the end of it. My joints had seized up and my, uh, my joints were starting to swell. I had this you know, terrible brain fog, all these horrible symptoms that just came from nowhere. And it was triggered by all the stress that I was going through. Wow. So, so yeah. So, so you had kind of two main reasons, let's say, why you got your your inflammation flared up and you got this autoimmune how did you how did the autoimmune symptoms present themselves what were you feeling yeah well um I would say that the first things that happened 
were the joint pain. I remember sitting down and, you know, for a while, long periods of time in the hospice and then standing up and feeling like I was about 40 years older, you know, my hips had seized up. That was one of the first things that happened. And then um, in the mornings I would wake up and I would be stiff as a board. My neck would be stiff. Uh, my shoulders would be stiff. Everything would be, all my joints were aching. And so I'd have to go into a warm shower and just sort of stand there under the water. Um, and then gradually those joints would sort of, you know, the, the pain would ease and my joints would start to remobilize. Um, and so that was it really. And then, you know, brain fog, barely being able to think about anything, you know, um, I would say that panic attacks started to set in, um, you know, this constant worry and concern about, about cancer and illness and, you know, why, why did my brother die? He was only 46 when he died. So, you know, he was taken far too young. And that realization setting in that, you know, it's not a given that you have the privilege of dying in your sleep in your very, very old age, you know? Yes. And, and being, a, you know, an anxious sort of person myself, that was just fueled big time. So yeah, anxiety attacks as well. And did you make that connection between those symptoms and autoimmune? Did you know anything about it? No, I didn't. I didn't know anything about it. And so what happens, my, um, my wrists flared up. Well, I say didn't know about it. I had a bit of an inkling, actually. That's not strictly true. My, um, my wrists swelled up and my thumbs swelled up hugely. And I remember thinking, because my brother, uh, my grandmother had very severe rheumatoid arthritis. She was completely disabled by it. And, you know, I, I remember very, very clearly everything that she went to, you know, I uh, went through, I was a very young child, but I still remember the pain and the, you know, the misery that she went through. She, she was very badly afflicted. And one of the symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis, um, is symmetrical joint swelling. And that's what I was presenting with eventually. And so I went to my doctor and uh, I said, okay, this is my family history. These are my, um, these are my symptoms. And to his credit, he did actually give me some x-rays just to look at my hands and he um, took some blood work as well. And when you're looking into um, rheumatoid arthritis, <clears throat> which is an autoimmune disease that affects the joints, by the way, um, one of the tests is called a rheumatoid factor. It's a blood test. And my rheumatoid factor was out of range, but it wasn't significant. And so he just kind of waved me away and said, let's just wait and see, or it's probably repetitive strain injury, you know, that kind of brush off basically. And, you know, I didn't want to just wait and see. So I went onto the internet, this was 2014, and there wasn't a whole lot of information about the protocol that I used actually to, to reverse my, um, my, my condition, my symptoms. Um, so it took a lot of finding, but eventually I found it and it's called the autoimmune protocol. And this protocol, it's a paleo based diet, healing diet. So it's based on the paleo template, which removes, you know, grains, dairy, um, legumes, um, you know, sugar, Wow. inflammatory foods basically and um but this autoimmune protocol or aip as it's known it goes one step further and it removes all the foods that are linked with inflammation so it's a very strict elimination diet 
you know, it's not to say that you're going to have problems with all of these foods that you're eliminating, but it's to say that they have been linked with inflammation. And so what you essentially do is remove all of these foods and get back to, you know, what I call a blank canvas that let, allow your body just to sort of drop that inflammation. And then when you start to put these foods back in again, because it's not forever, obviously, well, not obviously, but thankfully it's not forever. Um, by that stage, you, when you start re reintroducing these foods, your body will tell you what it doesn't want and what it does want, you know, essentially, you know, where your um, sensitivities lie. So I started this, I read this, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do it because, you know, I'm a trained cook. I'm very, um, you know, my life revolves around food. I was very happy to, to do something with, with food to try and heal my, um, you know, what I thought was early onset rheumatoid arthritis. I truly believe it was actually, I truly believe I turned it around. Um, and the results I got were absolutely incredible. It's amazing. You know, within days, um, my you know, aches and pains were going, my brain fog was going, I didn't, you know, uh, several weeks later, I was having a shower, and I thought, you know, what? I just don't deal with that, that stiffness in the morning anymore, it's completely gone, and as for the swelling, um, it took a bit longer, but still within, I don't know, five months or something, the swelling had completely gone, and my thumbs were huge before, and then they, and it went right down, yeah, exactly, and and so do I understand correctly that you were your own advocate for your own health? Nobody actually pointed you to this protocol in, in the medical field, let's say. Correct. Yeah. And, and did, like, how did you even, did you not need some sort of medical thumbs up to, to start this protocol just to make sure that you weren't doing more harm than good? Um. No, I don't. Well, I mean, I didn't search for one because I'd already got the brush off. So, you know, it's very common, actually, a lot of people um, doing doing any form of healing diet, not just AIP, but any form um, will say, I'm sure people will resonate with this. You know, if you go to see your doctor and say, OK, I've got such and such condition, will food um, in you know, dietary intervention help my condition? Um, and it's very common for a doctor to say, no, food's got nothing to do with it. And so, no, I mean, my, I don't want to slag off doctors because they're amazing and we need them in our lives, let's face it. But yes. my relationship is a little bit strained with my own doctor. Um, and so I wouldn't have gone to him. But no, I mean, you know, you might be wise to talk to your doctor and say, look, I found this protocol and this is what I want to do. I think it's always a good idea to put them on notice so that they know you know the strategies that you're that you're taking I personally didn't do that okay yeah okay and um so you found this protocol can I just ask out of curiosity was this in the UK or in Canada it was while I was in Canada so the protocol is an American based protocol it is filtering out worldwide now so yes people will know in the UK it's you know it's widely known in Australia but it's principally you know the majority of the people on this protocol are based in the states okay all right so you educated yourself about this protocol you took it on board did you not find that the dietary restrictions were difficult to live with yes I did and again you know given my training as a chef um I found it overwhelming and so I knew oh my gosh if I'm struggling with this then 
other people for sure would be struggling. And that's one of the reasons why I started my blog, actually. Well, two, I had two reasons for starting that. Firstly, for what I've just said, you know, if I'm overwhelmed, other people are going to be overwhelmed for sure. So let's help them out. Um, but secondly, um, the reason, you know, reason why I did that was to keep myself accountable, to keep myself motivated, because, yeah, it's very, very hard. You're giving up a lot of foods. And, you know, I was trained to cook with flour and butter and eggs and sugar, of course. And then all of those ingredients now are on the to avoid list. So all of a sudden I was it's like I was learning to cook all over again. You know, a different set of ingredients were coming into my into my hands. And some of them I hadn't hadn't come across before and actually, you know, quite honestly, didn't even know what to do with. So, yeah. I just want to take a quick break to introduce you to my partner for this podcast, Medicine with Heart, which is an international functional medicine clinic specializing in difficult chronic cases of hormone imbalance, Lyme disease, mold illness, and digestive dysfunction. You can sign up for a consultation with their team to see if they can help reverse your disease. Find out more about them at medicinewithheart.com. So credit goes to you for sort of reinventing yourself as a chef to fit into the AIP protocol or the autoimmune protocol. And um, did you find that you lost a lot of people that you could cook for that would actually be interested in your recipes because you changed the recipes? No, because I wasn't. I wasn't cooking as a chef. In fact, actually in 2014, when I started doing this, I'd been a stay-at-home mother for uh, since 2000, since my, uh, my son was born. I, was, I never worked professionally in a kitchen. I went through that training, but I didn't work professionally in a kitchen. Okay. So what I was doing was um, working freelance for publishing companies. I was recipe creating, recipe testing and developing. I was food styling. I was working on events and things like that. So, and I was never private chefing or anything like that. So, you know, you know, by the state, by the time that I discovered the protocol and went on it, I was, I was doing my own thing anyway. So it was fine, but actually, you know, going on to that protocol has given me a career because I was a stay-at-home mum. And then all of a sudden I was put into this position of providing resources for people with autoimmune disease. Um, and it was my readers that actually kind of pushed me into the direction of going back to school and, and training and yeah. becoming, you know, the, the practitioner that I am today. So yeah, it's all because of autoimmune disease and that you know 2014 <laughs> that I'm doing what I'm doing yeah it's amazing so for people that don't really know um myself included before I didn't I'd never heard of it autoimmune um yep. and I wouldn't know what it was if it came up and slapped me in the face <laughs> um in the past so can you tell us a little bit about what is an autoimmune disease and what what does it do to your body Yes. Well, I mean, autoimmune disease is basically when your 
body attacks its own organs and tissues. And that that sort of, you know, can be years and years in the buildup because you're dealing with a lot of inflammation. And every time you're, you know, you've got this sort of inflammatory response, your immune system is, you know, on the rampage. It's, it's on high alert, so to speak. Um, and you could be having this immune response to anything, but food is, you know, one of the things that you're having an immune response to. So every time you're eating these inflammatory foods, whatever it is that's affecting your, your body, your immune system is going to launch an attack. And if it happens again and again and again, and of course, as you build up inflammation, it's going to. Sooner or later, what happens is your, your immune cells just get completely and utterly like in England, we would have the um, the saying, get the knickers in a twist. I don't know whether, <laughs> I, don't know whether people know that I know what that means, but we can translate that. They get overloaded. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> totally and utterly overloaded, overwhelmed, and they don't know which way to turn. And so basically they end up, your immune cells um, end up turning on themselves and they attack your seemingly healthy healthy tissues, healthy cells. And so that is how autoimmune disease starts. Um, and then the unfortunate fact is once you get one autoimmune disease, the chances of getting more goes up dramatically. So, you know, there are people out there who have got four, five, maybe even six, you know, multiple autoimmune diseases. Um, you know, obviously I don't want to frighten anyone, but you know, the great thing is we, um, you know, if you are in a family where there is autoimmune disease, you are more predisposed to, to get an autoimmune disease. But, you know, about 15 years ago, scientists worked out that you can, just as you can switch your genes on, you can switch your genes off again. And so by, you know, taking your health into your own hands for advocating for yourself, you know, as we said earlier, nobody's going to advocate for you. You, you really need to, to, you know, to do these things for yourself, to get you know, to read up on these things, to um, to get into the right communities and to take your health into your own hands. And you can switch your genes off. Um, and so, yeah, you can turn disease around. That's amazing. Is that what they call epigenetics? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's gene expression, basically. Okay, all right. I mean, the good news is these days that, you know, I mean, the, I suppose the bad news is that we have to be our own advocates more often than not, as, as regular patients, consumers and citizens, um, even if we're not medically trained, the good news is that that information is a lot more easy to find now with the internet and, and all sorts of things so that it is possible to educate ourselves. It just requires more effort than, than we'd like to put in, I suppose. Yeah, well, that's right. People, you know, we're all programmed not to want to put effort in, but the simple fact is, you know, if, um, if, you know, just a few tweaks to what you're eating and how you're living. It's not just about food, actually. It's about readjusting your lifestyle, you know, getting sleep, getting adequate movement, not too much movement, not too too little, but just adequate for your body. Uh, managing stress is a huge, huge part of it. And so, is, uh, is yeah. the irony not that um, autoimmune diseases actually cause stress in your body or is that a, a false belief um no i would say yes but also stress 
can cause autoimmune disease. So it's like this never ending cycle. Who knows where it starts from, but it's, you know, as far as the body is concerned, it's, it's all the same thing, really. It's just insurmountable stress on your body. So yeah, that could come from food. It could come from lifestyle. It could come from, um, you know, genetics. It can come from a wide range of things, but yeah, if you, if you have an autoimmune disease, you're already under stress um, because your immune system wouldn't be, presenting in that way if it wasn't under stress right and can you give us a few examples of what autoimmune diseases are the names of them I mean yeah sure well I'd say um, a very very common one is Hashimoto's thyroiditis which is thyroid um, when when your immune system is going to attack your thyroid cells so what happens is your body well if you're going to have an autoimmune disease you know um, your body will attack the weakest link what happens in in nature basically so if you're weak if your thyroid is you know compromised then you that's might that might be where your autoimmune disease presents itself joints it would be something like rheumatoid arthritis or psoriatic arthritis i mean there are over a hundred autoimmune diseases wow um autoimmune disease in the small intestine is called celiac disease in the large intestine it's crohn's disease you know, there are, there are a lot, but I'd say the most commonly found ones are Hashimoto's and um, celiac disease. Okay. All right. Then they're relatively common as far as I know. They are. They are common. Yeah. And so, you know, bringing it back to sugar, let's say sugar is one of the most inflammatory substances i don't even grace it with the word food <laughs> um, yeah. it's very inflammatory whether or not you already have an, an a problem with autoimmune disorders or diseases sugar is inflammatory would you say pretty much for everyone yes mm, me too <laughs> yeah. that's, not, that's not a medical opinion <laughs> so. no, it's a big fat yes <laughs> and you know and, and the you know aip is not a sugar-free diet but it's a refined sugar-free diet. Um, you know, it allows, um, you know, in moderation, maple syrup, you know, unrefined sugars like maple syrup, you know, honey, uh, blackstrap molasses, coconut sugar, things like that, but very much in moderation because, you know, as you say, sugar is inflammatory, wherever, you know, whichever form that sugar comes from, it's still inflammation, but you've got to take into account, you know, happiness, it's a big deal on a healing protocol. You're not going to heal if you're not happy um, and then getting enjoyment out of life. And if you feel that a little bit of sugar is giving you that enjoyment, then that's no bad thing. But, but yeah. Yeah, fair enough. If you're already suffering with loads of other things, you yeah. know, for goodness sake, you know, keep whatever it is that is giving you some happiness. Yes, exactly. That's right. Because you have to weigh up, you know, if I can't have that little bit of sugar in my diet, is that going to make me stress? And if I'm stressed, then your immune system is stressed and attacks a little bit more, doesn't it? So it's, yeah. a, it's a difficult one. I mean, my sort of approach to things, to life in general, but to sugar more specifically, is any reduction in sugar is a big step forward. So it doesn't have oh, to yeah. be 100%. I happen to not eat any sugar at all, but that doesn't mean that everyone else should. No, exactly. And it's amazing, you know, once you do go off that sugar, um, even something like a green apple becomes highly sweet and, you know, like ambrosia-like. 
So uh, it's amazing what can happen to your body once you drop the sugar. And I'm imagining that once you feel the benefits, especially as someone with an autoimmune disease, once you feel the benefits of reduced inflammation and, and everything else, then you're, what better reason is there to mm. keep at a low level or to keep reducing even more? Yeah, definitely. That motivation, once that kicks in and it does kick in very quickly, that's that's the motivation you need to to carry on. You know, as I said, you know, earlier, my joint pain was gone within days. That's incredible. So once you experience that, then you want more, don't you? And you get to work out you know, what it is that, that you are sensitive to, you know, what does flare up these symptoms. And very often sugar is, is at the bottom of that. Right, right. And I'm imagining also that if you had gone to see the, um, the medical establishment, let's say, and they had given you medications, would you get the same sort of results, do you know, from your knowledge about AIP? Would you get the same sort of results from medications as you are getting from changing your diet and lifestyle yeah I mean a lot of people with autoimmune disease do take medication and it's necessary for them so you know it's not a bad thing taking medication but if anyone's listening and they're um you know halfway interested it's amazing the difference that dietary and lifestyle interventions can make so what um the medication is essentially doing is putting a band-aid on your symptoms it's stopping it's not really getting to the root cause i mean why why do you have an autoimmune disease why is that inflammation there in the first place that's one thing that medication isn't addressing it's it's making your life easier um it you know it could be taking away in pain nobody needs or deserves to live in pain but as I say, it's not looking to actually fix the problem in the first place. And that's one of the things that, um, you know, diet and lifestyle can play in a very, very positive way. So actually, if you have medication and you fix your diet and your lifestyle, that's amazing. And then it's not unheard of. In fact, it's very common that for people with autoimmune disease who are on medication, as soon as they start, you know, implementing these other strategies you know natural strategies to start weaning themselves off the medication which is fantastic because you know medication it's as i say it's great it's great that we are living in an age that we are able to have this but you know there are side effects to some of these medications and so it's wonderful to be able to decrease them so that you can um you know decrease those side effects as well yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. And you were you were mentioning that you have a blog. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So it's called healingfamilyeats.com and it started off as a recipe blog. It's principally a recipe blog. And the recipes that I'm providing are all compliant to the AIP, autoimmune protocol. Um, a lot of them also apply to other healing diets. So there, there's a um there's another healing diet called GAPS, which is gut, uh, gut and psychology syndrome and um, SCD as well, which is the specified carbohydrate diet. So that so, you know, there are sort of crossovers between these healing diets, but they're all quite different uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, that's what I do. I provide the recipes for people who want to eat, you know, good food, tasty food. Um, but need to drop a lot of ingredients because they they're wanting to heal themselves yeah yeah that's great and you know very often what I find is people find that when you 
do either an elimination diet or some kind of what's perceived to be a restrictive diet, um, they feel that it's not fair that they can't eat everything that most people can eat. And the way that I see things is that, well, first of all, it's true that it's not fair. And once we get over that, we (laughs) we can look at other things. But I find that the food industry, the the processed food industry has done such a great job of making us think that we, what we're eating as processed foods, first of all, is food. And second, that it's good food. And that if we take all that away, then in some way we're suffering. (laughs) That is a very clever marketing ploy. Oh, yeah, it is. They know how to get us, don't they? And we've fallen for it, hook, like line and sinker. And also because we, we lead busy lives. And so that's why, you know, processed food is, um, you know, it's a, a huge multi-billion dollar industry because we're not prioritizing it for a start and we're also busy. Yeah, so, yes. Um, yeah, the thing is the processed foods, I mean, you know, think of the, the clues in the word processed. So when you have anything that's processed, your body doesn't recognize the majority of those ingredients. And so it cannot, the body cannot process those ingredients. And so that is adding to our inflammation. Yes, yes. I've heard that that said, you know, that inflammation is at the base of the vast majority of health issues that people suffer from these days. Yeah, correct. Not just autoimmune, but lots of other things. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yes. Cancer, um, you know, um, neurological conditions. Uh, Inflammation is at the bottom of pretty much all of them. You're, You're right. Yes. And I would venture to say that processed foods are inflammatory also a vast majority of processed foods are inflammatory yes because you look at the ingredients you know there are chemi- there are things that are uh, chemical ingredients factory made ingredient uh, um, ingre- ingredients excuse me that you know really and truly belong in a factory and nowhere else because as i said you know your body doesn't know what they are and and your body goes into sort of protective mode if it doesn't know what something is then it can't process it it won't process it because your body is its sole objective is to keep you alive and if it sees toxins coming in and it knows that they are dangerous it's not going to process so we build you know all these uh, toxins build up mostly in the liver so we become overburdened and the liver is our main detoxification organ. It's, you know, it has over 500 functions. We need a healthy liver. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we, uh, we're sort of declining into a population of very unhealthy livers. Yeah. <laughs> and also another thing about the processed food is um, it's laden with sugar, of course. And what happened, you know, in the 1950s, we were all told that fat was bad for us. Fat is evil. You know, fat's going to give us heart disease. It's going to make us fat. And so the manufacturers took fat from the food, the food that they were processing. And But, it foods, you know, fat makes food taste really good. So what do you do? How are we going to make this food taste good? Oh, I know what. We'll stick some sugar in. And so that's what they did. Yes, and it worked. It worked really well, you know, for the processed foods industry. Obviously, it worked well. Yeah. They sold a lot. <laughs> and, oh, yes. And now we're all sicker and fatter. We're sicker and fatter because, yeah, well, because of the, um, you know, lots of sugar, lots of 
toxic ingredients that we're taking on, but also a lack of fat. We need fat in our diet. It has so many, you know, we, there are so many reasons why we, why we need it. We need healthy fat as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we, that's why I find that, uh, and I went through this where I sort of, when I first changed my diet, I had no idea what it meant to eat whole foods. I had no idea where they were, what they were, how to get them and what to do with them. And I consider that I was eating relatively healthy before I dropped sugar and flour and sweeteners. Um, But what I realized when I did drop those three things was that about, I would say about 90% of my so-called healthy diet was actually made up of processed foods. Yeah. And 90% of my health issues were probably due to healthy in air quotes processed foods yeah exactly and you know we're not really taught this at school are we when my daughter for instance she's 18 now but when she went her first year in high school she did a range of sort of mini mini courses basically until she was given the opportunity to to choose the one that she wanted to do for the next year and one of the courses that she did was cooking and I thought, oh, that's great because, you know, you know what children are like. They don't necessarily want to learn from their mother. So it's a good, you know, it's great when you know that they're going to learn from somewhere else. Well, actually, no, it's not because what she learned in her five weeks or whatever with them in cooking was cookies, cinnamon rolls, pizza, muffins and something else. I can't remember, but it was it was just sugar, sugar, sugar all the time so so you know she is lucky because I have taught her things um and I feel very passionately about this actually because if she hadn't had that and she hadn't sort of you know she if she wasn't the sort of person to actually experiment for herself she's got no she would have no cooking skills she wouldn't know how to put a healthy meal in front of her you know they didn't teach her how to make a scrambled egg or how to put a salad together or how to steam roast or you know cut up some vegetables or anything like that and so, yet it's just as easy to do that as it is it's actually easier to prep real foods than it is to make muffins and cakes and things yeah it is absolutely and it's much healthier of course yeah yes but we've been sort of told or it's been the message is filtered down that healthy means boring yes <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and if you eat healthy then you're so it, I mean, no fun. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, then you're no fun guy take issue with that that's for sure yeah <laughs> actually the the reverse you know you eat healthier you've got more energy to be more fun <laughs> exactly exactly yes yes and you know and I don't give sugar the power to determine my personality or my level of well-being or my level of fun or you know feeling good or anything like that yeah Mm. exactly okay so we can find people can find you on healingfamilyeats.com yes i'll put that link with the description with the show notes as they call them thank you yeah that's great thank you so much kate that's wonderful thank you for having me Oh, thanks, Kate, for a wonderful conversation there. And, you know, just like myself, Kate believes that you deserve to have a happy, energetic life. And if you do suffer from an autoimmune disease or disorder, then you deserve wellness 
and Kate can help you make that happen. So you can find Kate at healingfamilyeats.com. And it just goes to show that whatever our backgrounds, whatever the health issues that we've been struggling with, cutting sugar seems to be the common denominator for making most people feel a whole lot better. And if you're looking specifically for sugar and flour-free recipes, as well as tips about looking after your gut health by making your own fermented foods and drinks, then you can find them on my Life After Sugar YouTube channel, on the Life After Sugar Facebook page, and come and subscribe to my Instagram, which is at my Life After Sugar, where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, so that you can see that it is totally possible to live an active, happy and fun life, even if you don't eat sugar. And for more free resources, check out my website, aftersugarclub.com. You can also download my simple guide to getting more energy. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab, Simple Guide. And if you're an intermittent faster, then I have five tips for you to help get rid of cravings that may be getting in the way of the easy and natural intermittent fasting lifestyle that you're looking for. You'll find those at aftersugarclub.com. And if you're looking for the key to a joyful and easy intermittent fasting lifestyle and life in general, then I can teach you how to let go of sugar and find the real sweetness in your life. That's what the After Sugar Club is all about. And that's where you get my guidance so that in just a few weeks, you'll get to a place where you won't even need or miss sugar anymore. Check it out at aftersugarclub.com. And if this podcast is inspiring you to take one more step towards your life after sugar, then could I ask you to please scroll down and leave the podcast a lovely five-star rating and leave a short review to let me know how this podcast is inspiring you to break free from sugar your way and find the real sweetness in life. And if this is your first time here, don't forget to subscribe to the Life After Sugar podcast so that it appears magically in your podcast player every Sunday. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.